Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Welcome, weary traveler. Need a short rest? Oh, I see. They said you'd be showing up about now. Come on, through the portal. Best not keep the Lord Mistress and Lord Master waiting. You know how they get. Robots Radio presents The Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. The best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons and Dragons. Hello and welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio. And I am Mary. And we are the, we're continuing our uh-huh. Hotter Than the Nine Hells series here at the Tower. And boy, uh, is it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to say very apt, considering the uh, the plane of uh, that, that, that the, the Tower is located on, known as Texas. Uh, the is, Lone uh, Star Plane. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Lone Star Plane. It's uh, hotter. It's, it's 105 degrees right now. <laughs> and it feels like... Uh, it's um what, and like it's 15? it is 6 30 in the evening as we record this um and mm-hmm. it is well over triple digits um so i saw the second highest number i have ever seen today on the uh, temperature gauge on my vehicle and if it said uh 112 and it hurt I mean, my feelings that's I just can disrespectful just imagine if i had one uh yeah it, it says it feels like 112 yeah and so my vehicle reads the feels like yeah it's uh and like i said that's nearly seven o'clock in the evening uh-huh like this time 20 years ago or so like people would be like saying like hey it's nighttime it's like friends is about to be on like seinfeld's gonna be on in an hour and yeah. now it's like uh it's like the middle of the hottest day it's like it is high noon like, on the hottest day except it's we've it's been the it's it's the time of the year where it's so hot that we're eating dinner um after the sun starts to go down so like anywhere from 9 30 to uh last night it was almost 11 yeah it's not going to um it's not going to get under triple not digits until like nine o'clock yeah it's not doing any favors cooking on the west side of the house either so and so um so yeah so we're very much in the Bator mood, so to speak. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, it's. it's it already very... feels like hell. So. Uh... Right, right. Except this particular layer that we're talking You're about gonna... today. It's so hot. We're gonna go to the coldest place in the nine hells. Yeah, it's it's like it's like a dry ice. It's it's so cold it's that a... it's gonna it's gonna burn you. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's accurate. <laughs> So what are we talking about this week? We're talking about Stastastachia. You've been on that like all week. <laughs> I have. I have. But that's the last one. No, there it's it not. Is. That's 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 a lie. I but will let's, try let's to make that the last one until my ADHD goes. That's not important information. Don't need that. All right. But so the grim what, ones are in control. What so, layer st- is this? This is the fifth layer of the nine hells. This is the last C of Bator. Um, almost all of this layer is completely frozen. Most layers uh, in the Nine Hells are balanced as far as elemental dominance goes, with the exception, uh, exceptions to that rule being Phlegethos, which is dominated by fire, and Stichia, which is dominated by ice. Um, it's described as a great frozen sea, a place of crushing ice and mammoth icebergs. The only open area of uh, water um, is the area where the river Styx moves through the layer the fastest. Uh, this is 
waters are going so quick they can't freeze I guess um and you can clearly see the division of the seawater and of the you know the river of blood um also this is where uh the layer gets its name Stygia right right Stygian. much like you know right like yeah, IRL uh, mm-hmm. I like the fact that this is frozen and I'm not sure if it's going to get into the lore about why it's frozen. Uh, but I like to think that when creating the nine hells, a particular devil was like, you know what? There's going to be like some jerks that are like, I don't mind the heat. I actually prefer the heat. So, you know what? This, this is going to be the hell for them. This is for you. <laughs> this is for you. Like I'd rather be hot <laughs> than cold. I mean, I, I prefer that. Like, all right, I got something for you. Hmm. Yeah, see, they would send me straight to Phlegethos with the fires of hell because I hate the heat so much if I were, uh, you know, heading there. But I'm not. I'm a good guy. I think. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a good guy, right? I'm a right? chaotic chaos. It's <laughs> what I am. That's my alignment. It's just <laughs> chaotic chaos. chaos. Yes. <laughs> uh, so this layer is actually the only place where the uh, river sticks runs in both directions, which leads many people to think um, that this is where the headwaters of it are actually found like this is the starting point whether it is or not the starting point um the river's waters are more potent here Uh, coming into contact with it would uh put a blood at risk of losing not just their memories or their life um their entire memory itself is at risk as well And, and i will clarify um as it's the entire erasure of the soul they never were so you in in Stygia you you go into the river sticks and you are at risk of the complete erasure of your soul if you were to just like everything Mm -hmm. interesting everything that ever was of you is gone it's that much more powerful here Um, oh man that's that's wild terrifying oh yeah Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I um I I can't help but like everything every like little bit of a lore uh there's so many that like that I hear and I'm like that's going to be something that can be used later on in a homebrew adventure or campaign. Yeah. I actually had a request from my players for something horror and terrifying and scary and I'm sitting here researching the nine hells and I'm like all right. <laughs> you asked for it. You got it. <laughs> finger guns and everything <laughs> pew, pew pew let's go <laughs> but yeah it's uh that is you just never were you just never were just never were so the entire layer is uh primarily untamed wilderness uh there's a lot of folks that seem to think that Stygia was originally a uh, world in the prime material plane that was so, so very doomed, so completely screwed that the inhabitants all pledged themselves and their entire world to Asmodeus in exchange for their safety. This theory is somewhat supported a bit uh, by the wide variety of creatures that are found here that are usually only found on the prime material plane. Oh, I love, I love that little bit of like theoretical lore. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm, how screwed do you have to be though? I mean, (laughs) yeah. uh, You know, (laughs) like, look, things were said, promises were made, devils (laughs) were worshipped, arch devils were were deified, you know. uh, It's it's fine. It happens. It was the sixties, man. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) It was the sixties. It was was 1974. (laughs) 1974 lake geneva oh gosh okay (laughs) this layer was not always ruled by the current lord uh prior to levistus being put into place here uh it was once ruled by the archdevil uh garyon um even in this i will get into his history in a little bit we're gonna give a little more overview and then i'll break it down a little further see even in this icy wasteland um there are tiny arctic plants even that struggle to dig their roots in deep enough to sap what little nutrients they can get from the unforgiving layer um the plants here grow the thickest in the icy swamps which sounds like the worst place to be i don't mind cold but i don't want to be wet and cold those are not (laughs) 
I'm not in. And dirty. And like, yeah. And yeah. Like cold and dirty. Uh-huh. Um, but this is where you could find refuge from the inhospitable environment, from the, you know, freezing to death and whatnot. But these areas do pose a, a different set of challenges. Obviously. Um, right. There's all these plants and roots going down through the layers. So ice is going to be thinner here. Makes your risk of plunging into the water even more likely. And this is also where the majority of those creatures that I mentioned before, um, majority of them feel more at home here in the swamp, like substantially more than you do, which is also a bit of a risk. Um, these are things that you aren't going to typically associate with one of the layers of hell, which I found really, really interesting. You find things like frost worms, polar bears, dire wolves, kind of ice-themed monsters, essentially, that are all at home here. There's also tribes of frost giants who wander completely unafraid of the devils that live here. Um, you'll also find sharks, kraken, and uh, mammoths as well. All of these are uh, used as practice for the devils in their military training. Since they're here, you know, may as well make might use as well, of it. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, and I like that kind of harkens back to that theory that this was once, you know, at least part of the prime material plane because exactly you know, these are all, for the most part, creatures and 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 animals that you would find, mm -hmm. you know, rooting around. Some of uh, the um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Some of the realms that I'll discuss here in a moment also kind of pull that theory in a little bit more as well. So as, as far as I'm concerned, I feel like that's probably where it originated. I'm just going to go ahead and say I err on that side of it. The sky hangs low and heavy, with lightning streaking across its vastness, the looming threat dancing wildly ahead of the rolling thunder that's reverberating across the entire layer it's it creates this steady subtle thunderous roar like just that undertone is just there all the time the majority of the land here is ice flows and bergs uh, several of them are actually large enough to build entire cities and castles on or in in some cases there are a couple deities that even keep their realms here on this layer as well. Um, one of them's below the sea, the other above. The rulers of both are vying to wrest control of the layer from Levestus. One's brutal and straightforward, the other subtle as a scorpion in the shade. Now the two folks mentioned here are Sekola and Set. Uh, their realms are Sherushk and Ankugat, respectively. I'll tell you a little bit about Set's realm. This is the realm of the midnight desert, of the sighing winds across the poison sands. Hear the bellowing of crocodiles on the riverbed at night and bow down before the power of almighty Set. That is a quote from the Lord of Evil and defiler of the dead himself. That's both an awesome and terrible nickname. That is such a disgrace. <laughs> disgusting nickname but wow like yeah like what exactly <laughs> does that mean um because like well, on one hand it could be like awesome like, like it sounds like that... a cannibal corpse song but on the other hand it like <laughs> sounds like something that like that dude's gonna what be, did you do that yeah like why, why did how did like you this? get that nickname <laughs> that's exactly well set is actually considered the greatest evil in the entire moharandi pantheon um, I will absolutely love to get into that at some point, but this is not that point. We are talking about Stygia at this point in time. That is all my, I had to cut off the rabbit hole. I'm not allowed to <laughs> venture off course into that right now. <laughs> not right now, but soon. Not right now. I can do this later. Um, it is an actual literal desert on the frozen expanse of the fifth layer of the Nine Hells. It is this little section that is completely different. It is not any of the iciness. It's own little desert. And Set sits within his pyramid in the center of his realm. And from his room in the base of it, he can see the entirety of the realm on the wall. And it is described as if the wall of the pyramid were a huge magnifying window. Dude's got an interactive mini map as a wall. <laughs> nice i mean 
If I mean, that's a DM's dream, I believe. It is. Yeah, it's it's great. He can even see into people's homes and the minds of everyone within his realm. There are no secrets here, apparently. Personal space, never heard of her. I do not. Um, so I, I really, really, really don't want to undersell the sheer size of the pyramid, though. Like, this is not just a pyramid. Um, no matter where a fella happens to find himself within within Seth's realm, um, you're always aware of it. Because you see, you can always see this um, ginormagantuan black pyramid um, rises up and it meets the eternally dark sky above. It's described as a uh, sooty black streaked with uh, bloody reds and oranges that like change position around the spire of the pyramid, depending on the time. Oh, interesting. Right. These are uh, brighter um at midday and kind of dim and are nearly invisible at midnight so the shadow of this pyramid is so big you cannot avoid it unless you are actively trying to hide from it being indoors or underground oh, okay so i mean there's some leeway some wiggle room there some wiggle room but it's still dark outside you know you're still living in that thing's shadow for sure for sure <laughs> And it doesn't matter which direction you go from because it's always going to fall. The shadow yeah, it's always falls there. over. Yeah, always. <laughs> um, it's when someone's giving you directions in Enkelgot, um, they describe like if you're moving toward the pyramid as toward the dark. And then if you're moving away, it's into the shadow. <laughs> it's that part of, oh, yeah, you got to go, you know, go into the, go into the shadow, take a left and. <laughs> So you know which way you're going from it. It's inhabited, this place is, by numerous mummies and liches who occasionally go out on trade missions to um, other locations and other layers of the hells. Like a like an Oregon Trail, but in hell. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta the make Oregon the Trail. Oregon, the Oregon Trail. We're going to. We're off to. Ship off these uh, stolen organs. Oh, they probably come souls. In. Oh man, I'll talk about the soul the soul shipping here in a wee bit. <laughs> that is oh, actually I, I... a thing I mentioned. Like beautiful, beautiful foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> so the depths of the cold, cold ocean hold horrors beyond compare. Waves come and go, but the ocean remains, as do all the creatures in it. Endurance is a virtue, and the weak must be eliminated. The stinging bite of the briny sea is the taste of victory and defeat. What about the hands? What about the hands? You know, the, the feet. What about the hands? The hands. What about the, the hands? Uh, you're not supposed to taste the hands. That's what you eat the feet and the victory with. I, I'm, I'm sorry for that. I, I, I don't know what came over me. Let's continue. I'm sorry. <laughs> So we're talking about, uh, this is Sherush. This is uh, the realm of Sekola, the great shark, a.k.a. the caller from the depths. Um, he makes his home here in Stagia, but is known to swim throughout Bator, where, where it can find enough water to maneuver. And when the prey is worth making the trip, no point in going if it's not worth your time. The inhabitants of his realm uh, go on frequent raids trying to expand, you know, trying to expand it. Uh, Sekola is convinced that if Levistus, the Lord, would only step out of his little, like, ice cube for a couple minutes there, he'd be shark meat, and uh, Stagia would have a new Lord. Sherushk is hidden not too far from uh, the city of Tantlin, which we will get to here in just a couple minutes. Um, it's in a valley between icebergs on the surface and below the surface, though. This realm is far, far larger. Uh, the center of it is called the Coral Throne, and this is where Sekola rules from. That is to say, when it uh, chooses to be there and be in <laughs> mm, Sawagan form. This is, where the, this is where all of his petitioners would seek an audience and ask for, you know, blessings and guidance and stuff like that from the god. Um, if you happen to be a petitioner there and seeking an audience, 
ask for the blessing um, or guidance here. You are you're gonna want to stick to the center of the city. Wait, why is that? Well, oceans are scary. Um, that's the that's my reason. Oceans are scary. Oh, well, um, that's it. <laughs> so the further out you go from the center, the larger things get, and the more dangerous they get. Oh, okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. You don't want to. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, you do have to be careful, though. The uh, ocean floor here in the realm, it's, you know, speckled with all kinds of corals and lovely and pretty until you get caught by one of the currents and that just sweeps you out into depths before, you know, before you know it. And it's, uh, it's too late by then. Most of the population here um, is sharks and barracudas. They're nearly as common as petitioners in the location, um, all of which are comfortable in the waters here and are also immune to the effects of the sticks. Visitors, though, um, they find the waters to be practically freezing, like it's extremely uncomfortable, but I wouldn't make a fuss about it. Like, just don't say anything. Just suck it up, buttercup, because... (laughs) Anyone that's complaining, like anyone complaining about this, is seen as weak and useless and is immediately ripped to shreds. I mean, that's pretty on par or pretty much on brand for, for hell, you know? Mm-hmm, I, don't, mm-hmm. I, don't, I, I would guess Also that, shark god, come on. I would, I would guess nom, that nom, hell, you know, would suffer no fools sort of thing. <laughs> it's ironic because it seems like a lot of fools keep going there. It's one of those, you know, it's one of those things, you know, it's like a snake eating itself. I just, just well, gonna well. Just keep itself going. It just keeps going. Um, all petitioners um, and those that are traveling with them, folks that are servitors um, of the power are all immune to the effects from the Styx River while you are in the realm. Um, it has no effects there. But once you leave, you are once again on your own. So I mentioned the city before, uh, Tantlin. This is the largest city uh, in Stygian. Do you want to guess what its title is? Because you know they all have one. You know, it's the city of... Uh, City of... Okay, so this is a frozen... This Uh is the largest Uh city on a frozen plane of hell. So Uh I'm going to say something like, uh, like the city of demonic ice or the city of of hellish ice or fire ice or something something it's just ice it's just the city of ice oh that's that's kind of i mean like yeah it's appropriate but it's a little disappointing it is a little disappointing it is but it's okay the city's a interesting one and makes up i guess for it i kind of um the city of ice was once ruled uh, by Garyon. This is the devil previously known as the Lord of the Fifth. That's uh, where he ruled from. It's currently under diff- different administration though now and is um, governed I use this term loosely by a pit fiend whose name that nobody knows. Um, because if you, uh, if, if she's around, if she's close enough to find out her name, it kind of just spells doom. For anybody in the vicinity, nobody wants to know. So uh, that's how I mean. That sounds like something that someone would just make up. Oh, absolutely! You could plug whatever you wanted to in there. Well, I mean, no, I'm saying like, like, hey, what's your name? Like, oh, I can't tell you because if I, if anyone knew my name, it would destroy everything. It's like, oh, wow, okay, I guess we're never gonna know your name then. If I tell you, I have to kill you, and then actually follows through. Right. Right. <laughs> So Carrion was once an angel. This is, uh, give him. I'll give a little of his little of his history. The previous lord, and since this is where he ruled from, he was once an angel of the champion of he who was. Um, he and his six companion angels were sent to face some threat at the end of the Dawn War. Might have been a prior, like a primordial. Um, it's not. Wasn't really clear. What happened was four of his companions were killed. The three that weren't himself included had their bodies and souls crippled in the battle supposedly uh he who was used the essence of the two weaker ones to restore uh garyon 
leaving him as the only survivor of this brutal fight. Um, and that is where the uh, imagery of him with uh, three torsos heads comes from is from this because he was three souls combined into one all right though when they were combined um the other souls didn't completely lose themselves over time this patchwork cobbling together of three souls and and the magic used in that cursed him um he was cursed to feel their emotions to feel their thoughts and forced to relive all of their anguish it was this this little fact that as modius used to eventually sway garyon to the side of evil he could silence those voices you see um, as modius merged the pieces of his broken psyche and the memories of his brethren became hazy memories and not these like intense vivid moments that he could still feel um but <laughs> he couldn't reunify his body, leaving Garyon with three torsos that resembled the dead angels that he once was. Um, and he kind of alternated which one he was talking from, depending on his mental state, um, either manic or furious or cunning. Little little Demogorgon action going on mm-hmm. here. I mm-hmm. love it. Little Demogorgon. Demogorgon. During Garyon's rule, there were monuments made in his honor. Uh, one such monument, called the uh, Pillar of Garyon, depicted him cutting off right hands and replacing them with fiendish versions, uh, which would then require the wielder to commit evil deeds in order to obtain the power they gained from it. Idle hands. Idle hands. I was thinking idle hands. I... For sure, one hundred. Have not seen it in forever, and I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna go hunt it down and watch it. I don't know it that I've after ever reading this. <gasps> I know of it. It is so bad. You have to watch it. It's so dumb. <laughs> it is the worst, and it's the best because of it. <sighs> but I'm gonna have to go watch it because that's exactly what I was thinking of the whole time. The it was during the reckoning when sides were chosen and lines were drawn that Garion played the role of conspirator against Asmodeus, Uh-oh. pretending, mm. pretending while secretly remaining loyal to him. He played his cards, he set his plans into motion, and at the point when the other lords thought that they were they were there, it was happening. They were going to finally usurp Asmodeus. Garion turned and helped him retain his power. So for his trouble, <laughs> um, Asmodeus uh, stripped him of his power and authority anyway, and he was exiled. And he placed Levistus as the Lord of the Fifth. All right. I mean, that's... He's I mean, you, you you could definitely fail worse than mm-hmm. that. Well, you can't get... <laughs> I mean... I'm just saying you're working with all of these evils and whatnot. You get real close to Asmodeus. You start helping him. You kind of learn his battle plans and you're his buddy. Of course, he has to cut you off. You can't let anybody get too close. Right. Come on. Exactly. Like, come on. When he was exiled, he was he was forced to abandon uh, Tantlin, his seat of power and the uh, dragon-like horde of treasure beneath it. He has since regained control of one of his oldest dwellings, though, uh, the Citadel Cold Steel, which is a uh, fortress that he had secretly constructed by carefully hollowing out an iceberg deep in Stygia with, it was described this way, precision comparable to a surgeon's use of a scalpel. Yeah, but what surgeon? You know, because... Like a good surgeon or like a... Like a a Dr. Giggles type situation? (laughs) Yes, yes, of course. Before he had found himself replaced, uh, Garyon kept himself busy by luring powerful prey from outside of Bator so he could hunt them in his in his hometown, in his home base. After this exile, he became more concerned about, you know, regaining his power. So he, he carefully crafted himself an army of mercenaries, fiends uh, like Zariel. 
schemed, planned, and finally brought open warfare against Levistus, turning the frozen wasteland of Stygia into a full-on war zone. And that is, and so outside of all of the devils reserved for fighting the blood war, um, the rest were either fighting for Garion or for Levistus, and are constantly trying to just gain the upper hand on one another. I mean, makes as far as devils go, it makes sense. That's kind of what devils do. They're always just trying right. to, just trying to. Devil's gonna devil. Yeah, and one up each other, get in where you know, get the position that the other one is in. And Asmodeus mm-hmm. probably, for his part, let me guess, just kind of chilling back in the cut. Like, oh, you know, really... he is. He is doing. He is <laughs> letting them fiends. take care of themselves. He's... This man is pitting fiends against each other on all the layers of the hell so that they all continue to do their jobs, try to impress him, but not so that anybody has enough time on their hands to come after him. Right. That's the last thing he wants. Exactly. He doesn't step in or interfere at all. He just lets it happen. Scaryon is still harvesting souls, in fact, and serving Asmodeus. He's hoping to regain favor. He's just been kissing ass since he was exiled and trying to do for himself. He wants to regain that favor and he wants to try to take Stygia back from the Vistas, but he'd have to pry it from the uh, frozen prince's cold, wet fingers. So in a way, these two sort of co-rule the fifth layer, but it's not a cooperative thing like Belial and Fierna rolling Phlegethos. Right. This is more, no, 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 pick me, pick me, I'm better sort of a way. Uh, They rule together, but it's in an openly hostile and violent way. Right. Okay. Like, I, I, I mean, again, like, both, like, both the way that that Belial and Fierna rule makes Mm -hmm. sense as far Mm -hmm. as devils go, because it's very, like, it's cooperative in the only in the sense that like they're doing it because it benefits them. If you're like, it... I'm only doing this because it's to my advantage. Right. I get to be in charge and I also get to keep my comforts. Exactly. Right. And this one is also very much in keeping with devils because they're just like just aggressively hostile toward one another. Yeah. Like there's exactly not the tricksy sort, but the openly I want to fight you. Right. So currently. Tantlin is ruled by this unknown pit fiend who has only one law. The strong should survive. That's it. That's what it's like in Tantlin now without Garyon here. See, the streets here run themselves, kind of. Gangs of, you know, planers and Batuzu basically roam the streets, policing them as they see fit. But all of the gangs agree on one thing, one thing only. Folks that are important to the city's infrastructure, they're not to be interfered with. They're not going to be, you know, traders, repairmen, etc., merchants, things like that that come through. Don't mess with any of these guys. That <laughs> might get the pit fiend involved and nobody nobody wants the boss involved. The pit fiend whose name nobody knows because if nobody somebody knows. did everything would die. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I don't think anyone really wants nobody to Nobody wants to know. I don't think anyone Those wants that to stay really out of nobody wants a what like no one really wants to get Mm -mm. that sort of power involved Mm -mm. i want no part of it those that stay out of those squabbles too are left alone pretty much uh don't start nothing won't be nothing to quote agent j from mib of of course that's that's, of course let's let's (laughs) quote agent j (laughs) oh come on a men in black reference and dnd i think is valid i'm gonna I think it's valid. The uh, They pretty much each control their own little areas of town and are doing the thing the gangs do, trying to expand their territory without incurring the wrath of the pit fiend. And this this tickled me because I kept reading, you know what my brain does, <laughs> and it's just one of those that's another show for our D&D network. Or a movie, maybe a full-length feature. Rival gangs of devils rule in the streets of Tantlin. All of them seeking to expand their turfs while keeping the owners of the local establishments safe from harm. They don't want to disrupt the city's infrastructure. You know, worse, catch the eye of their mutual boss, whose name is unknown, but 
but, but trust me, her, uh, her reputation precedes her. This season on Gangs of Stygia. <laughs> I mean, that voice makes it seem more um, like Greece than Gangs of New York. But but yeah, but I, I'm 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 picking up what like you're putting West down. Side Story musical yeah. gangs, but yeah, like West Side Story slash Greece. Um, <laughs> but no, but I I I I'm picking up what you're putting down for See? sure. You know, but seriously uh, though. Um, if open warfare does spill out into the streets there, you should just, you should run for cover, get gone before you get got. Um, you know, more this- that, uh, that huge brawl scene in uh-huh. Anchorman than, uh-huh. than, um, Sons of Anarchy, but it, I'd watch it either way. I'm just going to say if it was my players, it would be, it would lean more towards the Anchorman thing. Right. It's going to always fall on that side of the line. I think, um, despite the risks um involved in it though uh tantlin is a massively important trading point due to its location um it is located directly on the bank one of the banks of the river sticks so it's 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 a dangerous place but necessary i think this is about that time where we should probably hop over and do all that middly stuff that we do like in the middle yeah let's do that and then we come back we'll uh We'll sit and take a look out into the harbor of Tantlin and uh, see what's there. Probably nothing good. Say that right now. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna go ahead and go out on a limb. Yeah. Uh-huh. Whatever's out there. You're just guessing. Gonna try whatever's to in the harbors yeah. of the last sea of hell. <clears throat> probably, probably not, not a good thing. Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> Welcome to the middle of the show where we uh, talk some D&D news. We take a look at uh, the mm-hmm. DMs Guild or um, or other websites to look at some homebrew shenanigans uh, because D&D mm-hmm. is, is, it's like the cherry on top of a fantastic Sunday. The game is great, but the homebrew just makes it that much better. It's complete, it completes it, I feel. And then, of course, as always, we thank the patrons. Uh want to give yes. a special... Shout out to the old boot continent argument, our newest patron. Thank you so much for signing up. Um, I don't know if that's um if that's a family name or perhaps a um you know a title that uh <laughs> that you've garnered. Uh, old boot continent argument. I'm not sure what is, is if the first name is if like the old is like a kind of like you know like a, like a honorific of sorts. And then Boot Continent is the first name, <laughs> arguments the last name. I'm not exactly sure how any of that works. I just want to thank you for supporting the show. Sounds like a title. <laughs> they got title. Uh, they got title. We see here, we talk about people that are the, what, Prince of Betrayal. We got, you know, stuff like for that. sure, yeah. And also, I want to point out that this is the middle of the middle, because we're at the middle of the Nine Hells, fifth layer. Ah, so we're in the middle of the middle. Indeed. It's the middle The middle east of layers. And the middleest of the episode. Uh, so yeah, thank you exactly. so much to uh, to all of our patrons, especially. Yes. Um, and you guys are awesome. If you want to support the show in that way and get uh, bonus content, patron plus installments, bonus episodes, uh, merchandise as well, uh, you know, an invitation to the patron roundtable each and every month, or even have one of us uh, run a game for you or be part of your own game for a session. You can head on over to patreon.com slash DD Lorecast and mm-hmm. check out all the different tiers that we have there. Yep. And to support the show in other ways, you can do all the usual stuff. What are those things? Five star reviews on Apple Podcasts, <gasps> on Spotify, yep. all that sort of stuff, following mm-hmm. us on all the social medias. You're pretty much everywhere. Uh-huh. We're DND Lorecast uh, on your Twitters, on your TikToks, on your Instagrams. Uh, we already have mm-hmm. a Twitch account that we're going to launch soon. So if you want to go ahead and uh, mm-hmm. and be an early adopter, mm-hmm. go ahead and follow us now by all Ooh. means. Do so. Get in there and say you were one of the exactly. first. Exactly. Like, hey, we, like one of the first we followed them before they even streamed. You could be like one of those. Like, we followed them before they one were. One of those the... Lorecast hipsters. I knew about it. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Lorecast. <laughs> I knew it, but I liked it before it was cool. But any and all support is is very much appreciated and is very humbling. Uh, we can't, you can't thank everyone enough for helping us build this awesome community. True. You guys are the best. 
And as far as D and D news goes, uh, not much. Like we we're just talking about that, talking about that before we uh, before we started recording. Often hearing that you know everything kind of quiets down prior to a new book release. Uh, everything sort of mm-hmm. you know kind of bottlenecks towards yep. that. And so uh, yeah, with mm-hmm. uh, with Bigby presents Glory of the Giants coming out in just a couple of weeks. That's uh that's seemingly what mm-hmm. everyone is talking about. Like the past two mm-hmm. weeks of the official Dragon, uh, podcast, the fa- official Dragon Talk D and D podcast, has been about yep. Glory of the Giants. Uh, definitely recommend you checking those interviews out with the uh, some of the creative, um, the the writing, uh, the head writer, uh, James Wyatt, and also okay. the art director behind the book as well. Uh, they talked to both of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, we're very excited about that book coming out. It's It seems to be a little mm-hmm. more lore heavy. It seems to be more along the lines of a Van Richten's or uh, it seems very much more like uh, like Fisben's Treasury of Dragons, which was uh, one of the last oh. books that Wyatt worked on. Fisben's is always forget how amazing that book is until it gets brought up. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's at the oh, top yeah, of that my one's list. Awesome. It is one of my favorites. It is. There's so many, though, because like you could name almost any of them. I'm like, oh, yeah, that one's great. So yeah, like I said, like not much as far as news goes, but definitely keep an eye out for mm-hmm. any news uh, concerning uh, new release, new books. Right. Uh, well, Baldur's Gate is coming mm-hmm. out in just a couple of weeks. Everyone is very excited about that. This is true. They're very excited about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have the uh, the most recent uh, drop of playtest material too. It was a pretty heavy. Oh yeah, like we we discussed that last week. But I mean, I I, I don't know yeah. that you. I'm gonna say. I mean, there's still time to go through and poke at it. I, I suppose. mean, yeah, there's uh, it's seventy pages <laughs> worth, seventy plus. If you need something to do while you're waiting on the new book to come out, <laughs> I don't want to wait. Anymore. And as far as uh, homebrew stuff, once again, we're going to highlight Hellbound Heists, which is a um, nine heist adventure book for each layer of hell, uh, from such folks as uh, John Parker, Justice Armin, Christopher Walls. It's a murderer's row of content creators of of creative minds. And for Stygia, we've got Mission Broken Heaven. Ooh. It's a level 14 to 16 adventure. A number of beings all wanted all want a trapped angel for themselves. And one of them is desperate enough to ask for the help of mortals. So again, like these are all heist adventures based on a different layer of hell. Uh, I love that. easily can be incorporated into a campaign or just run as like separate one shots or run each of them together as a, mm. as a campaign. I do know somebody running a one shot this Friday for her team. There you go. And uh, you can get the PDF. They asked me for awful. <laughs> and you can get the PDF for only 1595 or you can get yourself a physical copy for a little bit more. That being said, let's go ahead and jump back into the show and finish talking up a talking up a storm about uh stagia, stagia. I stopped myself. There have been a couple of times in the episode I knew you wanted to say it. It hurts. Self control hurts me. Welcome back. And when we last left uh, the lore mistress and myself, we were talking about Stagia. We're going to talk about the tomb of Levistus. Ooh, yes, which, yes, uh, yes, we are. See. Just, you know, everything about that just is just lore personified. I, I love it. It's like a snapshot really of like lore and I love it. Well, it does seem a wee bit problematic. What with him being the uh, Lord of the fifth. And the whole, you know, entombed bit. Um, so there is a, another important ice flow close to Tantlin. This is what I mentioned previously, out in the harbor of it. Um, that is the um, home of Prince Levistus, Lord of the Fifth, the Prince of Betrayal. From within his iceberg, where he is entombed, Levistus knows everything that happens on this layer even though he cannot leave and he cannot move. He's totally aware of every single thing that happens and deploys his troops as needed uh, while he schemes from within his glacial prison. The cant is, Levistus actually controls all of the Amnizu. So let's let's talk a little bit more <laughs> about the Lord of the Fifth, the actual Lord of the Fifth. Uh, Levistus's true appearance is not widely known um 
the ice of his glacial prison kind of makes it difficult to discern anything about his features. Uh, he's only a small black blob about a quarter mile away, so half of a kilometer. Up close, he's a uh, six foot or you know 1.8 meters tall, extremely pale humanoid with a neatly groomed goatee and dark hair. Um, he could easily pass as just some random good-looking dude if it weren't for the pointy teeth and the black voids for eyes that, quote, radiate darkness. It's, I'm pretty sure that's what it says in his Tinder it's profile. It's always like, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can imagine. It always is. They're always handsome devils I can Im- with dark eyes that radiate darkness and evil. I can imagine, you know, someone going out on a date with him and, uh, like the friend saying, like, "Hey, didn't you go out, out on a date with some dude you met on Tinder?" It's like, "Oh yeah, like he was, he was cute. Like he was really cute. His grill was a bit busted, and his eyes just kind of made me sad. <laughs> Not by anything I did, just by my, just by just by looking at them, just by just by being here. Essentially, yes. <laughs> when he was still free, uh." Lewis, this would appear before mortals in projected human form. He would don, I swear you wrote this. If I didn't know better, I would have thought it was you. Fanciful garments and other finery. Why would I have written that? That is something you would say and you have Probably. said. Probably. I'm not going to deny it. <laughs> I was just wondering why, but you're right. <laughs> That's whose voice I read it in when I was reading through it the first time. So when he appeared as an aspect, uh, the air around him would be extremely frigid and uh, his clothes were like partially frozen kind of partially dripping uh, it's like that meat that you left on the kitchen counter to thaw this morning it's kind of like that he would typically he would challenge his foes to one-on-one duels not only because he could usually win um but also because of chivalry he had a sense of honor and fair play regarding such things as all lords of layers of hell you know gotta have that sense of honor before his imprisonment Levistus was a legendary swordsman he was a swashbuckler uh relied on these exceptional skills to fell his foes mostly relying on defensive ones uh to drive them back and also knew when to flee if he was bested much like the sticks devils that serve him Levestus could use his touch to drain folks of their memories uh it could leave them temporarily stunned it's like a a few seconds or something or wipe their memories of the past completely leaving them with their skills though they could still do all the stuff just could remember nothing and this he would follow up with you know taunting them with little hints about who and what they were rather than just outright killing them the condition itself, though, was reversible uh, with use of greater restoration. He also came preloaded with uh, some ice magic, ice storm, wall of ice. Um, he could command and enthrall others uh, or create symbols of pain. Uh, use these techniques to divide and conquer if it looked like he wasn't going to end up getting that one-on-one that he wanted so badly. He would just demolish them instead this way. He could summon pit fiends um, and gelligons, but usually he only did so if someone was interfering with his dueling. You know, of course, um, in his current condition, uh, he has to rely on more of his spell casting abilities, um, clairvoyance, scrying, things like major image, unholy aura, wish, and usually he would also summon aid since he can't just get up and go do it himself. Oh my gosh, his nose has to itch so bad. Frozen there, you can't move. You know it's got to itch. Oh, I was like, what? Like, what point? Like, I was confused as to what point you were making. Like, does your nose need to itch? Like, no, it just, it hit me out of nowhere. I was just like, I was like, man, this man is frozen completely still. Oh Oh, my God, I bet he has an itch and he can't scratch it. That's got to be the worst part of all of it. Got it, got it. Because he's frozen. I get it. Okay. Fair enough. Because he's frozen. Over time, 
Levistus was able to learn to fully concentrate on controlling his network of agents. And he was able to, like, he plans every minute detail of his stuff out. Like, every tiny little box ticked off for, you know, his plans for Stygia and for those, you know, beyond it. Because he's got bigger aspirations, um, I guess. it You would kind of have time to practice that if you're locked away in isolations in silence and in total still right yeah yeah plenty of time to like you got you got you got the time bro he's he's got some time to do some of those things his prison is protected above and below um but lower level guys they're known to let a you know let a fella in if you uh pass him a little coin so you know that is if you're trying to you know sneak in maybe take a peek at the frozen prince Take a little look, see. Take a selfie. Take a little selfie. Um, the ice that this is made from, this entire tomb is made from, is ancient. Like even by devil standards, it's considered old. Uh, it's resistant to magic, so you can't just like poof, teleport him out of it. The shape of it can be altered. But any attempt to free Levistus uh, causes the iceberg itself to regenerate. And it seems that the only one that can free him is Asmodeus. And Asmodeus does, yearly, just the one time a year, so that uh, Levistus can attend the yearly Archdevils of Nessus jamboree and potluck thing that they do. Is that what they do? (laughs) No. Is that, that's what that meeting uh, is, right? Is it not a jamboree in yeah, yeah, they got a bluegrass band. They got the best chili mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. side of uh, Avernus. <laughs> I bet they do. Whew. The lower levels get the hotter peppers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so despite the uh, magical nature of the ice, there are parts of the berg that have been kind of carved out into icy tunnels and chambers and vaults. Uh, all of this is attended by a full ice devil militia. This it kind of winds upward, uh, making this part of his prison look more like a palace instead. Um, but it's not like you can actually get up there to see it without being spotted. <laughs> um, guards here use the magical qualities of the ice to spy on would-be trespassers, you know, heroes and rescuers of failed heroes, etc. Possibly one of the worst threats here is the intense cold, maybe. Um, It keeps the bodies perfectly preserved, and um, it utilizes magic to keep mortals alive. So they're just stuck there, frozen and alive. Those trapped here in the halls of frozen memory are sentient, but are usually absolutely insane. Um, Their inescapable screams and absolute nonsense that they're constantly uttering just creates this terrifying echoing unsettling ambiance around you occasionally you might find someone who hasn't gone completely insane but i uh i would advise against spending too much time there chatting lest your stillness allow the ice to take you as yeah best to probably just move along Yeah, sorry about your luck, homie. I gotta go. Exactly. Uh, The souls that are delivered here have a similar fate to that. Uh, They are actually unloaded down on the docks at the bottom of the berg. They are shipped in and unloaded on the docks. And I just... I love it. (laughs) It's so not appropriate that I love it, but I do. Um, they're then forced to uh, walk the halls here. Um, if they don't continue walking, you know, whenever they eventually stop, they become freezy pops too. If you're visiting here, though, um, because you are invited, um, you would see the area where the uh, furnishings and decorations are all beautifully crafted and carved from this crystalline ice. Um, it is so 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 intensely cold there so you don't like forget who you're there seeing but it's it's fanciful so that you're reminded of class and of riches 
Levistus also offers the warmth of flesh to his visitors in this cold, cold place to keep them warm. Um, his succubi servants report back any info that they've gleaned. Um, take that information back to him. I mean, this is assuming that you are allowed to actually access the prince himself and not just some intermediary for him. Levistus himself, um, he's found a hundred feet inside the peak of a towering rampart reaching, it's like you can reach it by scaling this massive spiraled staircase. There is of nothing ice. more D&D hell than that. <clears throat> oh, yeah. He is stuck in the frozen top of this tower that you have to climb the spiral ice staircase to get up to. And anyone who is foolish enough to even do this to try to see him or, you know, speak to Levistus, um, you would be able to do so across the span of a 60 foot or like an 18 meter, like a gulf, just this ravine. Um, it's, it's a spectacular view, but the winds up there are intense and uh, violent and dangerous. Um, and also it's, you can see the devil, like the flying devil spiraling up above his uh, up above his tower where he's kept um they're accompanied by an ancient white dragon oh interesting so if you can make it past freezing to death the insanity screaming and climbing this massive staircase the winds icy winds whipping from every direction trying to destroy you and you know the devils and the dragon um maybe you could say hi what I'm interested in is what is a white dragon, an ancient white dragon at that, doing in a pit of hell or a layer of hell? Hell. Guess what? I didn't let myself go down a rabbit hole of for certain reasons. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, no, we. I I'm gonna go find out. I need to know too. It's fine. So, I've talked about Levistus being frozen a lot, and I know that at least a couple of you are probably wondering, um, why the heck is the ruler of the fifth encased in a block of ice that kind of seems that's not an everyday thing you know for sure for sure um so i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you guys a couple tales before i eventually stop running my mouth um like many tales we tell you here on the lore cast there are a few variations about the exact nature of the relationships of people involved and mayhaps some betrayal, some lust, some anger uh, is involved in this story here. So we'll start with what we know. <laughs> what we know is that Levistus is an old devil. He is immeasurably old. He was one of the first to attempt to overthrow Asmodeus, felt the temptation that so many do when they ascend power. He immediately began chasing the hides of that gotta have more, gotta have more. He betrayed Asmodeus and was punished. It's as simple as that, right? The immediate implication of moves for power was not the only transgression that got him punished, you see. Um, while Bensosia, consort of Asmodeus and mother of Glacia, was visiting Stygia, inspecting the lair, Levistus ambushed her now the how and the why are somewhat disputed um but essentially what what we're told is it was either a non-violent meeting or levistus massacred her bodyguards with the exception of one single guard martinet the uh asmodeus's constable Following this, um, Levistus either offered to make Bensosia his queen if she helped him to overthrow her husband, because who would better know Asmodeus's weaknesses? Exactly. Right. So either he offered it or he took her by force. And either way, she refused him and he murdered her. This is what we, uh, what we were, uh, what we were told. 
Sounds simple, right? Murder yeah, her, gets in prison. Simple enough, yeah. Simple enough. Okay. Just a little case of murder. A little case of murder. But this is D&D. Yeah, what's a little murder amongst devils? And they're yeah. devils. Right, right. So that's the story that was told through the Nine Hells. But I'm going to give you a little bitty important fact here for context. A couple facts. Vincosia hated Asmodeus. She was a conquest trophy to him. Used her to create progeny that he hoped he could one day, you know, manipulate and wield in planes other than Bator, where he's imprisoned. He hoped that uh, Glacia's mother's blood would allow her to travel to other places and help him conquer the planes. To be fair, though, she kind of thought of her daughter that way, too. <laughs> um, she thought of Glacia as a pawn to use against Asmodeus, both sides using her as leverage and pitting her back and forth against one another in a constant vie for power, essentially. <clears throat> so the alternative to the narrative told throughout the hells is that Vincosia did not refuse Levistus. She accepted. They used one another as lovers and as a way to undermine Asmodeus. But unfortunately, you know, work relationships like that and um, sleeping with the boss's old lady, that doesn't end well. No, that's how... Um... That's how people become the Joker, at least in Tim Burton's Batman movie. This is true. It was during a visit that Lacia, seeing the Lord of the Fifth, became enamored with him. She saw a lover, and he saw an opportunity. A very unique opportunity that puts him in a position to possibly further divide Asmodeus's household maybe turning them against him and it was because of this that Levistus indulged the princess's affections as well and began a secret tryst with her too Levistus knew this game that he was playing was extremely dangerous he knew all too well what Glessia would do if she found out um it would be violent uh, she would react violently out of rage and out of jealousy and it would there would be some sort of a crime of passion oddly enough uh Vincosia, her mother would have a very similar reaction if she had found out yeah I, which i, I totally agree feel <laughs> absolutely 100 percent. i'm gonna go with valid See, Asmodeus and and then this this kind of he he kept this going on for a while. This worked for a bit, as it often does, until Asmodeus and Glacia had gotten into another one of their disagreements. The princess fled her father's presence. She ran to the arms of her lover, and found them occupied by her mother. That is this ignited that's her. Some that's Jerry Springer type oh, stuff. I know. <laughs> Yeah, it is. <laughs> Rest in peace to the king. <laughs> Rest in peace. My little white trash heart is so happy about this. <laughs> you see, this did, in fact, um, ignite Glacia's temper, uh, turning the bitter hatred she kind of already had for her mother, like she was not a fan to begin with. Um, it turned that into a murderous rage, and it led to her supposedly... Uh, sneaking into her mother's palanquin and uh, slitting her throat. I mean, again, valid. Like, I mean, maybe not the response I would have chosen personally. I you guess. Know, uh, I feel... Maybe talk about right, it first you know, or something. At oh. the very least. Be like, hey, yeah, why'd you do that? But if you're... Why fuck you? If you are deciding to go immediately to throat slitting... You do you. I'm not going to yuck anyone's You're already, yum. Yeah, there's nothing I can right. say. If you've already made that decision, nothing I can say you've or do. Right. To, yeah, that's fair. See, so she murders her mother. Marnette frames Levistus 
for this crime as it is his job to uphold Asmodeus's regime. Because, like, you can't, you know. It was also, <laughs> it's also the loyal constable who slaughters all the other guards, which left him as the only survivor, you see? And um, it wouldn't, it wouldn't look good if anyone had found out that both the consort and the daughter of the supreme master of the nine hells were both shacking up with this, with this devil. Yeah, you you don't, you don't want to be the one that makes Asmodeus a cuck. Yeah, you don't want to cuck Asmodeus. Don't. Don't cock Asmodeus. I'd wear that as a that's, shirt. I'm just gonna throw that out there. That's a yeah. That's a new Lorecast shirt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was for these transgressions that Levistus was entombed in his ice prison. As part of his punishment, he has to offer safety and help escaping. You know, help with escaping to desperate individuals. Um, he he continues to just you know strike bargains like an expert he says you know okay yeah I'll, I'll help you i'll help you get out of here really really quickly if you just uh low low price of your soul and so he does and here he has stayed for millennia in his little block of ice because he cucked as day. i mean that's just the one story that's the one version that's just the one i version. like personally Indeed. i kind of like that one because it's got all sorts of saucy behavior. I, do. I like, I like, yeah, I like it because it has enough of those little threads to make it, you know, spicy and sus. For sure, for sure. Well, thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. We'll be back next week with some even more fantastic oh. and possibly saucy lore. <gasps> Saucy. I mean, we we're going to continue continue our hotter than the nine hell series. So when it comes to devils, mm-hmm. you can never you can never put the sauciness too far behind them. It's true. They always saucy. You can assume sauciness. <laughs> Assumed sauciness. I love it. My name is Sergio, <laughs> and I am Mary. Fare thee well, dear listener. And until we meet again, may all your twenties be natural. Thank you for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, consider following us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at D&D Lorecast. Or jumping into the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll see you soon. Listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.com.